Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Talking Hockey Sense. This is episode 54 of the podcast. So glad you could join us. We got a very special episode today. We're talking about the USHL, which, of course, you can see exclusively on flowhockey.tv, just where you can also watch this podcast if you like. So uh, make sure that you're subscribed to flowhockey.tv to make sure that you get all the USHL action. And of course, we also have the CCHA, the, the Atlantic Hockey. Um, we've got uh, the College Hockey America and the ECHL, which has been on Flow Hockey for some time now. And, and so a lot of great hockey to be consumed. Also, Alaska Fairbanks, too, for all you Nanix fans out there. So really excited to have the season getting started. And it all starts next week at the USHL Fall Classic, or this week, really, on Thursday, September 22nd. And we will get rolling with the very first game um, in the USHL season. And so to help me preview the year, uh, I wanted to give fans a little bit of an, uh, some context into what goes into building a USHL team. What, what, what goes into putting these teams together and how difficult you know, it is to, to kind of have all these different moving parts. We're talking about the very top level of junior hockey here in the United States with the USHL. And I thought there was no better way to do that than to get somebody that's on the front lines somebody that does this and has been doing this for some time now. And I'm really pleased to bring in my first guest since we've been on Flow Hockey uh, and very happy that it is Kelly Larson, the president of hockey operations and the general manager of the Dubuque Fighting Saints. And of course, the Fighting Saints, one of the premier franchises in the USHL over the years. And, and Kelly, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me on. I've been a fan of your work for a long time. I'm excited about this. Well, I appreciate the kind words, and and it certainly, uh, you know, when you look at look at the Dubuque Fighting Saints, you talk about those Fighting Saints. I mean, it's a, a pretty rich tradition that started well before the you know the Tier One era of the USHL, and then the the team comes back and immediately has success under Jim Montgomery. You think about the different alumni that have been there. Johnny Goudreau, of course, is the the number one guy that everyone will talk about with the Dubuque Fighting Saints. But I want to start with this season, and, and Callie, you know this. We're finally, it feels like we're a little bit back to normal. We talked about it last week on this podcast, and I was knocking on wood everywhere I could to make sure that we do stay at normal. Uh, but, you know, just for you, as you're preparing for this season and as, you know, the, the Dubuque Fighting Saints are about to go live, you're going to have your first two regular season games at the Fall Classic. You know, what are you looking forward to most about this season? Like you said, you know, we're, we're back to somewhat the normal year, hopefully, here with uh... – fans in the building and, you know, processes and, you know, protocols and stuff like that. That's exciting. Other than that, I mean, I'm excited every year. I love hockey. Every time this, this time of year, it's great. You know, we, we talk in the summers about players. We acquire players, talk about who's going to be good, who's going to have an off year, et cetera. But this is when it starts. It's exciting. Um, so, yeah, normalcy, hopefully again. But, but every year, this is, this, is the, this is a great time. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I, I think – you know, just kind of get, as, as you get into it, and and now you you guys have gone through some preseason games. You've had a chance to to get a look. I mean, you know, I, I just wondered before we we get into some of the questions about you and and putting teams together. You know, what do you 
what are you looking forward to about your team this year? What do you like about your team? And, and maybe what are some of the things that, uh, that you know, you think you guys are tr- going to be trying to accomplish this year? It's, it's a very different team this year compared to last season. We, ha- we had a strong year last year, obviously a little bit of an early exit in the playoffs, but regular season, we were great. We had some high-end players there. Uh, we only return seven players from last year's team, which is tough. Um, so what do I look forward to? I look forward to seeing who's going to grow, who's going to get better throughout the year. Uh, we have a brand new staff pretty much as well with a new head coach, new assistant coach, new athletic trainer, new equipment manager. Uh, so so it's, it's a lot of new faces, not just on the player side, but even on the staff side. So I just look forward to seeing which of our new players is going to take a step, which guys of the veterans that might have played in secondary roles last year is going to take a step. Um, how is the new head coach adjusting? Uh, he, he's been great so far. Um, I'm just looking forward to the growth of, of the group, you know, both both staff-wise and player-wise. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, having to find a new coach. Greg Brown, the coach last season, came from the NHL back to the USHL as an assistant coach of the New York Rangers, and then goes and, and is now the head coach of Boston College, succeeding the legend Jerry York in, in, a, in a dream job for, for Greg. Uh, but obviously, you know, you, you had a great coach there. You have a great coach now uh, who also now came from pro in the ECHL to your team. Tell us a little bit about your new head coach real quick. Yeah, Kirk. Kirk McDonald is his name. Obviously, he's been the head yep. coach. Yeah, I should have said that. That's bad hosting by me. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> he's, your, he's his coach. That's all. No, but yeah. uh, Kirk McDonald been a head coach in Reading uh, in the East Coast League for, for a while. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting because Kirk and I, you know, we didn't really know each other before the interview process. We don't have a lot of uh, friends that overlap. We haven't really ran in the same circles. It's, uh, so it's a new relationship for me. It's a new relationship for him, and it's, it's been great so far. Um, I think he's, he's different than Brownie, uh, but also similar in that he believes in, you know, player development. He believes in, you know, the way we want to play, et cetera. Uh, but Kirk, Kirk has been awesome, and I've really enjoyed working with the person that, maybe I didn't have a relationship with before. It's been a challenge, a positive and an exciting challenge for me, you know, that I really yeah. enjoyed and makes me better as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's always positive. And we'll talk a little bit later about, you know, professional development as well, especially because at, at the USHL level, um, everybody's developing, uh, including coaches, people like yourself, general managers, scouts, everybody, uh, it, not just the players, but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But before we do, you know, I, I just want to talk about your path. You've, you're you're one of the, you know, you're, you're, you're unique in that you, you come from Sweden. Um, you ha- are, are now a general manager in the top junior league in the United States. You've been in the league a long time. I just wonder, what has your path been to get to this point? Like kind of how did you, you know, get into management and, and decide that that was a path you wanted to go? And, and really, you know, how, what was your entry into the United States like in terms of, you know, becoming part of the, the hockey culture here? Yeah. I was growing up in Sweden, you know, hockey is a, is a huge sport over there. I played my whole life. My dad played, et cetera. And then when, when I graduated high school, I, I, I came over here to play junior hockey, played junior hockey, um, and then played college at a small school, um, division three. And after that went out in the working world, uh, I, obviously I love the game. I'm a hockey, I'm a hockey nut. I'm obsessed with it, but I wasn't really sure how to, I mean, how to even work in hockey. I don't know. Like, I don't know how to do that. So after college, I got a job in management consulting and I started a company on my own and did that and was pretty, pretty happy with life. And then obviously, like randomly, I got a phone call one day from the coach at the school where I played and asked if I want to come there and be an assistant coach slash recruiter. 
Um, I'd been, you know, out in the rinks, you know, not working in the game, but watching a lot of games and they always saw me out. And so I, I took them up on, on that offer to go, uh, go coach in, at the division three level. And that's really where I, you know, got my feet wet and got my start and realized that, oh, wow, you know, maybe, maybe I can do this for a living. Um, did that for a couple of years and then was very fortunate. I mean, I got to know Luke Strand and Jay Verity uh, and they hired me with Sioux City um, as a director of scouting there. Spent two seasons with them, which was a great learning experience for me. And when Jason Lammers was hired in Dubuque, uh, another guy I just got to know from being on the road, being out scouting, he brought me over to Dubuque as his director of player personnel. Uh, that's it's eight, eight years ago now. And uh, yeah, I've been in Dubuque ever since. Um, but high level, that, that's pretty much how it worked. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of funny how, you know, guys that maybe didn't get into coaching right away or didn't, you know, just started somewhere else. And they always seem to find their way back uh, to hockey. And, and obviously you're no exception now. And, you know, that, that ladder to climb um, is, is kind of, you know, it's, it, it can be challenging. It's not always the most lucrative. It's not always the most, uh, it, it's super time consuming. Um, so, I mean, just in terms of, you know, your path from being, you know, a, a recruiter to a scout to, to a general manager, you know, to, you know, basically being a top executive for one of the top franchises in American junior hockey. I mean, you know, just what was that kind of development process like for you? How, how, how did you, when did you start gaining confidence and, and feeling like, hey, you know, I could run a team someday? Um, yeah, yeah, like the first we touched on, obviously financially, like, you know, like it, it's tough in hockey. It's not a lot of money in the entry positions and that makes it really difficult even to get in, right? Because even if you have the opportunity yeah. to get in, you need to be able to support yourself financially, which is tough. But I felt when I was in Division Three, you know, we were able to recruit a lot of good players. But I also, I always maintained a database for, you know, NHL draft picks, Division One recruits, etc. And as I was on the road a lot to Division Three, I started getting phone calls from NHL teams and people I got to get to know in division one asking me about, Hey, Cal, you're always on the road. Like, have you seen this player in playing for Dolphin Kings in Manitoba? And usually I had a report on him, even though it was really target that ever wanted to come to the school that I was recruiting to. Um, and I started to feel that, yeah, people trust my opinion, you know, and when you do it for a while, you can see which players that you, that you like that pan out, which ones you like that don't and, and it's who you were wrong on. And I try to keep notes on that as well. And I just feel that, yeah, you know, this might be something I can do. Um, the problem is just like again, like how do you how do you open the door and get on stage, so to say? Uh, but I, I mm -hmm. feel pretty confident. A couple of years in Division Three, that uh, that in some capacity I can do this at a higher level than than where I was at. Yeah, I mean now now that you've kind of gone through that whole process, you're you're in the thick of of building teams and 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 doing making all these different moves. And there's so many moving parts to building a USHL roster. There's so many different things that that you have to do in order to, to put a team together, whether it's the, the trade, signing tenders, making draft picks, um, it's a lot. So I, I just wonder if you could explain a little bit kind of where you start from, you know, in building a team, where, what, are, what are the things that you're looking for? What are the things maybe that, that you're trying to pinpoint to narrow down this really unwieldy kind of just mix of different things that you have to do? I mean, what, what are maybe some of the core philosophies that allow you to kind of put these teams together 
Yeah, like I said, I would say the hardest thing about the USHL, in in my opinion, is the very high you know, you know transition of, of players and staff. People move on quick. You know, like even in players, since we don't have contracts with the players, we never know how long we can have them. So if we take a young player and we hope that okay, he's young, so it's going to be with us two or three years. Well, if he does really well, he goes to college earlier. Uh, so, so planning, it's really hard to plan for a certain scenario because those scenarios can change on a whim. They can change late. I mean, last year we had the first overall pick in the whole draft. We pick a player who then his college loses a player in August and there he goes. You know, it's a player we yeah. – so it, and that, that's the nature of the USHL. I'm not complaining. I'm saying it makes it very difficult to plan. Um, so what I've learned is that you, we, we have a spreadsheet, whatever you want to call it, with, with three years out this year's roster, next year's roster, and two years out. And then we also have, if this doesn't happen, what's the second best option, third best option, et cetera. Like if the player leaves, who do we replace them with internally? Do we have an affiliate player who can take it? Who's the player in, in another league, in, league that we can replace them with? Who has some trade targets, et cetera. So just having as much as you can, a clear picture of different scenarios that can play out and and try to have a contingency plan or several options for the same player to be leaving uh, you know to be leaving your team prematurely uh i guess it's one way and then obviously like now i've been in dubuque a long time we've we've had some success with some players you also screwed up like everybody else and tried to learn from that and uh, so having some sort of an identity of like when we go out and look for players like what, what does a fighting saint look like you know mm. uh what, what works for us? Like, how do we want to play? Um, and then talk with the scouting staff, with the coaches, make sure everybody's on the same page, you know, both vocabulary wise, like what does it mean to be a good skater? Does that mean to be super fast A to B or just getting from where we need to go to, you know, in, in an efficient way, et cetera. Uh, but try to be on the same page, identify what works for your team and really try to stick to, to your beliefs, which is very hard, especially when, when you go on a losing streak, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I, I think that's really important. To, and, and, and it's something that I think at the NHL level, too, is, is really starting to come to the forefront. You know, teams are, are drafting to identity. It's not, you know, yeah, best player available is one thing, but it's got to be a guy that fits. It's got to be a guy that, that makes sense for your team and, and, and fits, you know, your, it's not always going to be the head coach, but do you have an organizational identity? And I think that the Fighting Saints have, and I actually did want to ask you about that, too. And you kind of touched on something you know, what does a fighting saint look like? And I think that the, the one thing that this organization has had since they returned to the USHL about you know, 12 years ago, um, you know, Jim Montgomery was the first head coach, seemed to really set, set an identity right off the bat um, and a culture. And I think that's probably why he's ascended to the highest levels now with the Boston Bruins and, you know, was the head coach of the Dallas Stars, won a national championship at, at Denver, but before that he won a couple of titles in the USHL. So coming into a culture that was kind of pre-established when you did, because you, you, you weren't there right at the beginning, but fairly in the early stages of, of this organization yeah. as it returned, um, you know, how, how have you been able to maintain that culture? What are, what are the things that you have to do to try and you know, kind of live up to that standard that's been set so early by, by that first group? Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely set the bar high. You know, Monty, Bobby Kinsella, you know, like Joe Coombs, like all these guys did a great job establishing, you know, putting teams together that won, you know, Mike Field. Yeah. Um, so, so following their footsteps or like actually trying to build on, on what, they, what they founded is, 
it's a challenge, but it's, it's a great challenge. Like I'm proud to be part of an organization like that. I mean, at the same time, I'm not Jim Montgomery. I'm myself and that's all I can be. So do I learn from Monty? I do. He's been a great supporter of, of, of our club. And if we ever need help from him, he helps us. But it's more been the culture of like that, that we always compete and debut. Like we, we try not to take off years. Uh, right. We don't really go all in once one season to sacrifice the next two uh there's just foundational pieces in it that just we have a blueprint of how we operate as an organization that obviously was established by jim montgomery and those guys that we have then built upon um so what do we do i mean like i think that in dubuque like everybody wants to win but but being successful you, you can't have a hockey league where there's one successful team and 16 losers every year. There needs to be more to uh, identifying and defining success than purely wins and losses on the ice. And that's where I think we've done a good job. We have identified things that we consider successful, which is academic standards, uh, you know, community events, making sure that players leave here with a really good experience and not just talking about those things, but actually doing follow-up surveys with players and agents, players' parents, billets, et cetera. Like we, we wanna be more than just the on-ice product. Um, and it's something we work very hard on because we know at the end of the day, of course we wanna win championships. Don't get me wrong, we wanna win. But if we don't, it could be, it could be because of luck in the last, last game of the year, et cetera. And you can't just change your process and change your beliefs because the final outcome doesn't go your way. Uh, you, so day-to-day -day process, have an idea of what, how you define success and what you want to accomplish with the whole team. Um, and just try to build on that every day. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's good advice. Cause it's good advice for a lot of us, you know, just, just trying to find ways to define, define success. And as you said, you're not always going to get to the ultimate. I think that's, that's probably, you know, in, in junior hockey, there are so many teams that will, you know, attempt to, to, to go all in in this year or that year and maybe not have a, have a few down years. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, you know, championships obviously are, are a big part of, of why we why we love sports, but it's also, you know, there's one there's one trophy to go around, you know, and there's there's not a lot, there's not a lot you could do. But, you know, I kind of wanted to touch on this, too. You, you hit it a little bit earlier, but, I, I you know, you talk about what a fighting saint looks like. I mean, what what are what are some of the core characteristics of the of, of a good junior hockey player in the USHL? Uh, maybe you know for, whether it's for the fighting saints or just you know guys that you've seen across over the years. What, what have been some of the things that stand out for the guys that that have had success coming out of that league? I mean, there, there are all kinds of players coming out of the league that have success. I mean, you have super high end skilled players. You have defensive defensemen, you have everything in between. So it's hard for me to talk about overall because I don't know really what the other teams look for. And I try not to care too much about it because I care about how we operate. Um, and, and there are a lot of teams that do a great job, you know, uh, and I'm sure there are a lot of teams that have players that are great for them that wouldn't work for us and vice versa. But what works for us, like we say, we want to play fast, hard and skilled. If you have two out of those three attributes, you probably play we're going to look at. If you have all three, yeah, we, we want you. Um, we want smart players. Um, you, 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 I mean, you can't coach stupid. Uh, you know, <laughs> half not. But, but, you know, if you, if you can't think the game, it's going to be really hard to, uh, to get better, you know. Um, so, so that's important to us. And we use a term like 
to get after it and get after it is not just blindly competing it's not just running around with your head cut off but like if you get after it like do you, do you get after it in the gym do you get after it on the back check like are you a player that like wants to be in the middle where things are happening and those are players that we look for you know like i again we have reese gabriel at north dakota as a player we call him the signature saint you know like he's a player yeah. that yeah, I mean, he's a player. Look at him. Like, yeah, we want players to be like Reese Gaber. You know, he, he does everything right, and he does it with his heart, and he leaves no stone unturned at anything he does. Um, I'm sure everybody wants players like that, but, but, but getting after it, competing, and thinking the game at a high level is things that work for us. We're also – I don't want to – by all means, we recruit players, and we present information. But if you get into – if you get into a business where you have to convince players to come to your program, you're in a losing business, you know? So mm. I don't want to twist it or to come to Dubuque. If you don't want to come here, don't worry about it. We don't want you here either. Um, and that's somewhere where I think we've had success. But some, I mean, some of the best decisions you make is, is players you pass on as well. You know, you can spend a mm. lot of time on a player that don't want to be there. And if they don't want to be with you, well, they always have an easy out because they're always going to want more. So we want to make sure it's a good fit. And we try to find that out before, before the player arrives. You know, we're, we know that it's hard to play for us because we work really hard. We have high standards on, like you said before, academics, community work, you know, getting after it. If you don't like that, this is probably not going to work and it's not for you. And that doesn't say you can't be a great USHL player somewhere else, but it's not it's not a fit and, and let's try to figure that out beforehand because otherwise everybody will be disappointed when we get going. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, so much about a player's development is, is, is being in the right spot, but also, you know, taking control of your own, your own path as well, you know, and, and making the right decisions along the way and, and wherever you end up going, you know, having do putting the work in and then, you know, the, the, the end result it's so important, you know, going to the right team for sure, but the end result is ultimately on the player. And it sounds like, you know, you're looking for guys that, that want to be accountable to themselves and, and, and also to, uh, to the organization by just becoming better every day. And, you know, getting better, I think the USHL as a whole um, is a league that is continually growing in reputation. It's continued. We've, we've seen it with the number of draft picks that have come out of there from the NHL. We've seen it with the number of, you know, Holby Baker winners and, and, and guys that, that go on to really successful co collegiate careers. And you know, we're seeing the stars of the Johnny Goudreau's and the Kyle Connors and you know, guys that, that came from outside of the national team development program and guys that have come from, uh, you know, every corner of the USHL. There are good players everywhere, Jake Gensel and Sioux City, you know. So, I mean, there are, there are so many players in this league um, that, that have given themselves a chance. So I just wonder from your perspective, having been in the league for as long as you have, seen the growth and the, and the maturation of the league, you know, what, what, what do you think has been maybe one of the core things that has improved? Is it, is it just the player pool is getting better? Is it the league is doing something better? I mean, it just seems like every year and, and at every, you can't go to a USHL game without, you know, seven or eight to 20 scouts at a game, you know, like it's sometimes there are, there are a hundred scouts at the game. Um, and there'll be probably 200 plus at the, at the fall classic. So um, I just, I'm just curious what you've, observed about the league and and how it's grown and in, in both reputation and in success rate as well yes some of it you mentioned like i mean some of it is naturally with, with the player pool you know the american hockey player keeps getting better and the american hockey player tends to want to stay in the united states if they can and also i think that the fact that a college education is getting more and more valuable you know so if you take out 
take hockey out, it's hard for a parent or for a young 16, 17 year old to say, hey, I'm, get, I'm not going to go to college or at least not, you know, to an NCAA college at an early age. I think those factor factor into the growth of our league. Uh, on top of that, I mean, teams, owners, the league are investing more and more money in development, you know, like with skills coaches, um, you know, workout facilities, strength coaches, goalie coaches. You know, there's more money in the game. There's more money in, 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 in each organization to invest more in the players. So that obviously helps as well. Uh, but it also, I think that the way that NHL teams can draft a USHL player and keep his rights for four years versus two from some other leagues, it's just, I mean, if you look at it simply, just if you're going to invest in a stock and one stock is a two year, you have to decide if you're going to keep going or not, and the other one is four. Most of the time, you're going to go with a longer, longer runway just because before you have to decide where to put your money. So I think some of those things that play to our advantage as well. If you play in the USHL, you really have all doors open. No, no doors are closed. You draft out of the USHL, you can play in the AHL right away, which is also something you can't do from, from, from some other leagues. So I, I think a lot of different factors played into the growth of the USHL. I think it's only going to get stronger. Uh, I mean, college hockey is getting better too, you know, where they're investing, building mm -hmm. arenas, you know, getting more fans, getting more national attention. So, so it's, it's a trickle effect. There's a lot of different factors. People working together at the USHL office, at USA Hockey, the USHL owners that put their own money into teams here, a lot of times without making a lot of money on the back end. I mean, those guys are, are really the heroes here as well. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, there there is a lot of great things happening across the country in the sport of hockey and the player pool is it's getting better. And then, you know, we, we, we didn't, we often, so often talk about it, you know, especially us prospect guys will talk about, um, you know, the, the path to the, the NHL, but I mean, the USHL, you look at every college roster in the country and it's largely USHL players. I mean, the amount of players that go to division one college out of the USHL, is probably one of the most important things that it does. It supports, you know, the college hockey is essentially the top of the American development period pyramid, um, you know, with the USHL very close to the top as well, um, being that last step. But I mean, and having having worked at a school, having played Division Three, you know, there there are also Division Three schools that are getting you know high quality players out of the USHL, you know, so. How, how important is that element of, of what the league does and, 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 and what you guys do? Obviously, you've talked already about the importance of academics and different things. So how, how do you guys support players to kind of get to that, that next level? Because, you know, there are definitely some guys that only want to play hockey. And then there are guys that, that certainly want to, want to have that education background as well. Yeah, I mean, the way we support players to be able to move on. I mean, we sit down with every player and talk, hey, what do you want to do? I mean, and. 85, 90% of the players say, I want to play Division One college hockey. Well, then we'll, we have an academic coordinator, Joanne Gibson, who's been with the club for 25, 30 years. She helps out with, you know, clearinghouse questions, you know, SAT tests, TOEFL tests for the imports, like what courses translate to college, which ones don't, et cetera. So we can set them up in that way. If a player tells us, hey, I just want to go pro afterwards, well, then we'll start working with teams, getting him an NHL training camp in the summer or or stuff like that. So, I mean, it's it's not a one size fits all. It really works. It really depends on what what you want as a player. Somebody say, hey, I want to play Division One college hockey, but I do want to go to a big school. Uh, so then we start tailoring, you know, the information we share and like who we contact based on that. Or so it's 
we have we have the resources to help every single player but what we do specifically it really depends on what that player what that family what that that advice is trying to get out of the experience in dubuque and i feel that's one of our strengths as a club but also as a league again like you come to our league all doors are open for sure like we support college hockey and that's what ideally personally i would love all our players to call play college hockey but if somebody comes to us and says hey i just want to play in dubuque for a year or two and then go pro for sure, like we can we can tailor to that as well. Matthias Michelli, you know, play mm-hmm. we had fairly recently in the NHL last year. He never wanted to play college hockey. It was never even an option for him, but he wanted to come to us and develop, and it worked. So, yeah, what, whatever whatever the player wants, obviously with the priority on on college bound hockey players, uh, we will we'll help anybody that they just can come and you know benefit from us, and we can get some benefit out of it. Yeah, Matthias Michelli is a, is a great example of a guy who, you know, came from Finland and was able to to very quickly, you know, establish himself, get drafted in the NHL. Now a member of the Arizona Coyotes and a guy that you know could see some NHL games as early as you know this season. Um, and yeah, and was able to seamlessly go back to pro and, and dominated after uh, yeah. the the uh, his time in Dubuque. And I, I did want to follow up on that because there. I think that there has been a, a, a growth in obviously the, the American players are the, are the largest player base for the USHL, but there has been a growing number of import players. Um, you know, so what has that process been like? Cause I mean, Dubuque has certainly benefited from, from a number of, of, of players from various countries. We mentioned Michelli. Um, you know, there've been some even more recently that have come to your program. There'll be some this year as well. So, so how does that process work in terms of, you know, making sure you've got those guys that they're eligible for the league and then also, you know, that they are supported and, and that they can make this transition. I mean, it's got to be, a, for some guys, it's going to be a culture shock. You know, I, I live in Iowa. I'm never going to disparage Iowa because I love living here. Uh, but it can be a bit of a culture shock for, you know, players coming from different countries to, to be in, in middle America and, and, and exposed to all different kinds of things. So, so what has that process been like for you, uh, you know, as, as, as a team that certainly has not been shy about adding imports? Yeah, I mean, the rules allow us to have, for European players. So if we can find four good European players, why not? You know, and how does that work? I mean, obviously me growing up in Sweden, a lot of my friends I grew up with are now coaching or working in the game at home. And we have, you know, I have some personal connections there that have been able to to help us locate imports, but there are other teams in the league doing an unbelievable job with with import players as well through their own connections. Um, And then like comes the next step like I said when they come over here I think it's very important to to understand that like the players you, you need to allow them to translate to American life before they can even translate to on the ice you know like you look at a player and say hey well I hasn't scored four games like well it might be hasn't slept for four weeks or haven't eaten because the food is different or his sim card yeah. and his cell phone doesn't work uh so there are a lot of things there to to really take into consideration when you bring an import over to try to make the transition as smooth as possible um and and you can do that with i mean after our imports leave i called them and say hey what did we do well what do you guys wish we could have done better like when we picked you guys up at the airport is this something different we should have done etc but allowing them to to take their time and adjust to life uh is very important because it because it is hard you know they come here and they usually they understand language but might not speak that much and again like just everything's different here food climate how you travel the game um so doing whatever we can as organization to support them is is very important and again it's something we try to do well and get better at every single year 
Uh, it's, and, and the import players have only, you know, risen the profile of the league that also uh, showcases the league to kids that, that may not have, have been exposed to the USHL in the past. And you think about all the different guys that have come through. Thomas Vanek is probably, you know, the, 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 the traditional uh, import that the USHL will, will look to because he was really one of the guys that, that opened the door uh, for players to come here. Ruslan Petitenko. I mean, there have been a lot of other guys that have, that have come through the USHL um from europe and it's it it only makes the league better uh and it makes all the players better you want to have the best players that you can no matter where they come from and now a lot of those players too it's helping out college hockey because there's a path for those players um you know to to continue to remain ncaa eligible whereas if they were to stay with their home clubs maybe the the pro there's the the lure of the pro team wanting to them to play so there's a, a whole lot of different things there but it's it's great that that we get to see those players right here in the ushl and and certainly on full hockey with a shameless plug right there. Um, so, so Callie, you know, I wanted to, uh, I, I, you know, bring it back to, to this year, um, the USHL fall classic coming up. Um, you know, your team is, is going to be uh, involved as, as all teams in the USHL are, um, you know, as, as we get the season started, I mean, what are, what are just some of your, your expectations for, for this, this USHL season overall, obviously, Last year, you guys did have a really good team. A lot of players, uh, you know, we saw Kenny Connors get drafted. Connor Kurth, um, you know, is going to be a, a real a star at, at Minnesota. You got uh, Stephen Halliday broke some records uh, there as well. Um, but you're going to have some returnees, guys like Mikey Birchall, uh, Paxton Geisel. You know, th- there are some really good players that are that are going to be back uh, this year to to you know to help your team. So, um, just in terms of you know for the USHL as a whole, it, it really feels like this is anybody's year. Um, I don't know that, that we can look at the look at the entire landscape of the league and say that team is going to dominate everybody. Um, so when you have a season like that, I mean, what what are some of your overall expectations for the year as a whole here? Yeah, like you said, I mean, it's 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 really hard. It's I think it's every year it's hard to predict who's going to be good. I mean, like what I learned over the years, like nothing trumps the returning player. You know, we get excited about new guys mm-hmm. every year, and at the end of the day, it's it's the returning players that help you win for the most part. Um, we don't have a lot of them, so. I expect us personally to be a good competitive team. Are we going to be as good right off the gates as we were last year? Probably not. At the end of the season, I hope we will be because we have a lot more younger players. Uh, it's going to be good. I mean, Chicago is always good. Muskegon is, is always doing a good job uh, on our side. I mean, we played Cedar Rapids this week and they played us hard. Mark Carlson, I mean, he's learned a lot in his, in his long time in the league. Like, I, I don't want to go on and honestly like, mention one team or not because I'll, I'm going to forget somebody. But Right. I, I think everybody, you know, everybody, every year the league is getting better from, from how people are evolving and building their teams as well. And we copy each other. You know, somebody did a great job in one certain area. And then we're all going there and try to find those, those players. So you got to try to be a little bit ahead of the curve at all times, you know, to stay on yeah. top. And who has been this year? Like, again, I, I, I wouldn't want to bet right now who's going to win and who's going to finish last in the USHL because I would probably mess that one up pretty bad yeah it's such it's such an interesting league in that way because the the ebbs and flows of the season you know you can see a team and they look like they might be out of it at one point and then they go on a big run i mean look madison played for for a a clark cup last season and and was dormant the year before i mean like there it's amazing to see kind of how these the league kind of ebbs and flows a little bit that way um you know and the last thing i wanted to ask you about we touched on this before and i wanted to to ask you you know USHL is 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 obviously a great development path 
for um, for players. But it is also, and the USHL takes great pride in this, that it's been a a really great training ground for coaches, for general managers, for scouts. Um, you know, we think about some of the coaches that have come through the league, and it's John Cooper will be the first one that everybody says from from the Tampa Bay Lightning because of the success he's had. We've mentioned uh, Jim Montgomery. Um, now with the Boston Bruins, uh, Jeff Blasio, who was with the Red Wings, now an assistant, and then um, you know Derek Lalonde, who just became the head coach of of, of the Red Wings in uh, Blasio's place, um, which is you know interesting because they they're longtime friends. But um, you know there have been so many great things, but it's also been great for the general managers, guys that have gone on um, working in NHL scouting, becoming leaders um, in NHL organizations, and, and and things like that. So, from your perspective, how has the league helped you develop as? Um, you know, as a general manager, what have been the things that, that you think will, you'll carry throughout your career? And maybe, you know, what are what are some of your aspirations? I mean, it seems like everything, many of the guys in this league, you know, it's all right in front of them, uh, whatever they whatever they want to do. You know, if you have success in this league, you have a chance to to move on to higher levels as well. So I just wonder, you know, if that's that's something in the that, that you think about at all. Yeah, in terms of what I learned over the years, I mean, it's 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 so much right. I mean, like I. I look back at, you know, when I was a first year GM and literally like I didn't know anything about anything. You know, I, I thought I did at the time, but like now I know I didn't. And I, I think that in anything in life, if you can't look a year, a year back and say, oh, my God, I didn't know anything. Well, you probably didn't learn that much in the last 12 months. Like that, that's how I operate. I learn all the time and I learn from other GMs in the league. I learn from our coaches. I learn from our owners. I learn from from reading, from listening to podcasts, watching movies whatever you know I, I i try to get better all the time because yeah I, th that's how i work and aspirations like a lot of people in our league has moved on done great things you know like you said players staff coaches gms scouts i mean everybody for me like i feel very in control of my own career uh, i'm a process driven person what i believe in is doing my best here in dubuque every single day and uh, i work for an ownership group that's been very supportive um both with giving us the tools to, to be competitive in debut, but also supporting me for, I'm me, you know, and maybe I'm not for everybody, but they support me and let me be who I want to be and manage this team. How I want to manage this team. Um, so I don't think too much about it. Um, at some point, will I move on? Yeah, maybe, but, but it has to be the right fit at a lot of different levels. My life works pretty well here with the family life. Uh, I enjoy, I really, really enjoy my my job like i really do so i feel control yeah. of it if something comes along the way that that's that's good to jump on i'll do it and if not like i don't worry too much about it I'm... yeah well dubuque dubuque is uh is a pretty it's an underrated town it's an underrated town so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i like like it a lot and it's uh, i i think that uh you know that you guys have uh you're you're saying that the saint for life and that that i know that jim montgomery coined uh and I have uh, two games of broadcasting experience uh, with the Dubuque yep. Fighting Saints, and I think I earned the designation with just two. You did two games, so thank you. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. thanks to my pal Jordan Coons, who unfortunately got COVID last year, and then I I had to fill in. That was a lot of fun, um, but I appreciated uh, the opportunity to do that. And it's it's been fun to follow, you know, your career also, but but just you know the, the Dubuque Fighting Saints, and and now that I live in Iowa, I'm near Cedar Rapids, and. And Waterloo, um, you know, to see what this league has meant to the state and the, and the hockey community um, in Iowa, it's great. So uh, appreciate, you know, everything that the, that the Saints do, that everybody else uh, in the in this state does, because uh, it's not it's not a traditional hockey market, but it's got a deep history with some of these teams. So, uh, Callie, I, I, I thank you so much for coming on.
Um, I wish you guys the best of luck this season. We're really excited to watch you here on Flow Hockey. And, um, you know, first off, good luck at the Fall Classic and then the rest of the way. I can't wait to see what you guys do this season. Thanks so much for having me on. Keep up the great work, okay? Uh, all right. Thanks a lot, Callie. We really appreciate it. Callie Larson, President and General Manager, uh, President of Hockey Operations and General Manager of the Dubuque Fighting Saints. We thank him very much. So, um, you know, I just wanted to very quickly kind of skim through the USHL a little bit because we talked a little bit with Callie and wanted to give you guys kind of an example of how teams are built and, and, and what goes into it. It is a fascinating process that is such an important part of the hockey landscape. You look at all the junior leagues, you know, the, the North American League, the BCHL, you know, the CHL leagues, they're, they're such an important piece of fabric of, of the hockey landscape. And without them, the NHL does not have the success that it does. And that's why the NHL has, has provided a lot of support to those leagues because they know how important they are to them. But, you know, every USHL season, we start with a blank slate. Um, and, and, and that's kind of what, we're, we're with right now. I mentioned that it really feels like it's anybody's year. There's always some teams that are going to compete. You've got your Chicago's and Tri-Cities and you know, Sioux City won the championship last year, but then you've got situations like Cali talked about, only having seven returning players. So Sioux City had to replace their coach, their general manager, many of their top scorers, you know, so it's really hard to win back-to-back -back in this league. It's hard to win even in a short succession, but there are a lot of teams that are going to, you know, go into the season believing that they have a chance to win the Clark Cup, which is, of course, the goal that everybody has at the end of the season to win that championship. So we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, the USHL, it's also going to be a very important drafter. We talked a little bit about some of the guys from the National Team Development Program last week, but there's a number of players in this league that are going to be high-level high draft picks. Maybe not high first round, but, you know, guys that are going to be in those mid-round ranges. And you think about some of the guys that have gone later in the draft, the Jake Gensels, uh, you know, guys like that. Johnny Goudreau was a fourth-round pick. Um, you know, so the USHL has provided a lot of talent in that maybe they don't look like the elite talent right away, but they, they've developed well. They go to college, they develop more, and then they move on. Um, you know, some guys like that, Andrew Strathman, who plays, uh, he was traded over the offseason, played for Tri-City last year, was one of the top rookie defensemen in the league. Um, he's, he's headed to Youngstown um, and played at the Holinka Gretzky Cup. Really good mobility. I think he's a highly intelligent defenseman. He's going to put up some points this year. I think that was a good pickup for Youngstown. They're going to get a guy that, that really has an opportunity um, you know, to, to, to be a good draft pick. Jaden Perron uh, plays for the Chicago Steel. Electric skill. Really good production last season. He's going to probably be you know, the guy this year for that team or one of the guys uh, on a Chicago Steel team that always plays with pace, always plays really uh, aggressive. So we're going to look forward to, to seeing him play. Um, you know, I think that there are a lot of other players, uh, you know, I talked about Mikey Birchall at, at Dubuque. He's not a guy that's going to be a high draft pick. But he's kind of a high motor player that's going to get drafted, I think by an NHL team and, and really have, have an opportunity to do something special there. But, you know, in, in addition to the, to the guys that are draft eligible, this is a unique season and there's going to be quite a few NHL drafted players. And there always are NHL drafted players in the USHL, but this year we're going to have a first rounder, Sam Rinzel. From the, from the Waterloo Blackhawks is going to be um, a first-round pick that's playing in the USHL this season, which is not something that happens a ton. I think Blake Wheeler did this as well. Um, but but Rinzel is, is, a, is a highly skilled defenseman with great mobility, high upside. He's committed to the University of Minnesota. He's going to be at uh, Waterloo this year. That's a guy you're going to want to see because you're going to be talking about him 
um, you know, as he continues to develop, but there are so many others there. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about first year head coaches. That's a theme in the USHL this year. So many coaches moved on to, um, you know, uh, either better jobs or teams made changes. Um, and uh, I think there's something like six first year head coaches, including at the Chicago Steel. Brock Shane uh, was, uh, was hired by the Chicago Wolves, the AHL. So pretty late in the process. So Mike Garman's going to take over there. Chicago has has been a perennial contender. Um, Garman has been with the program for a while, so he knows what's going on. It's his first time uh, being a head coach for that team, and and it's going to be a you know a real real interesting uh, opportunity for him there. Um, you know, you think about all the different coaches throughout the league that that have been there, and then and then you've got the dean of the coaches, Mark Carlson, who Callie mentioned. Uh, he's been there. The longest tenured coach, you know, he's probably going to break some records. Uh, coaches of Cedar Rapids Rough Riders, and um, if you ever come into the stable in Cedar Rapids, you're you're going to have felt it because they play hard, they play tough, and it's it's the goals do not come easy here in Cedar Rapids. But um, you know, there are going to be a lot of teams. You know, we could we could I, I don't I don't mean to leave out teams because there are so many uh, really talented groups there. But um, you know, that's going to be exciting. And and I did before we move on, did want to touch on. You know, there are some future guys, guys for coming drafts that we'll also want to keep a close eye on. Uh, Max Celebrini and Michael Haig, and, and Michael Haig unfortunately injured, but both at the Chicago Steel. Uh, those are two guys that could be really high draft picks in the NHL down the line. Max Celebrini committed to Boston University. Um, you know, we'll see if he, he spends this year and next year, if he's going to uh, go to Boston University a year early. Uh, but he's going to be probably one of those high profile guys to watch. There are other guys like Sasha Boy there who uh, plays for Muskegon. Um, he was a great player at, at Mount St. Mary's last year, put up a ton of points in his 15U season. Um, so, you know, those are guys that were looking to make an impact pretty quickly. And and it's hard for young players to play in the USHL. And if you have success at 16 years old in the USHL, it catches a lot of attention and it makes a lot of people, you know, force that forces them to pay attention to what you can do because it is a difficult league to, to play in for them. Uh, but you know, that's a that's a very surface level preview. If you want on Flow Hockey this week, we will have two uh, excellent preview pieces from our new USHL writer, Jordan McAlpine, uh, who is uh, based in uh, Omaha and Lincoln. Um, he is right around the USHL. He is really uh, a talented young journalist that we have uh, have hired to cover the USHL for us. And he will have some preview pieces. I'll also have you know, uh, a list of players to watch for the Fall Classic, which again is on September 22nd. And that is going to be a lot of fun. We'll have it out for you on Flow Hockey. We've got a ton of plans around that for content. Um, so make sure that you are signed up in time to watch all of those USHL games. Make sure you get your favorite teams all lined up. You'll be able to watch all of it on flowhockey.tv and you'll be able to read about it as well as we cover the USHL in ways like it's never been covered before. Really excited about that. All right. I got to run through a lot of different things here in a short amount of time. I got some great questions from listeners. As I do every single week, we are going to answer your questions. We are going to find out what you want to know about, and I will do my best to answer uh, answer them for you. And we'll, we'll start it off with this question from Adam Flett. And uh, Adam asks, how many Wings prospects make their debut this coming season? And name them. Awesome pod last week. Thank you very much, Adam, for the shout out there. You know, it's going to be really interesting because the the Red Wings have a bit of a 
you know, they're, they're, they're kind of in a different place. They're, they're in a different place as an organization. They're starting to feel like they can actually compete. And I, I don't blame them for, for thinking that. So it doesn't leave a lot of places. So, you know, based on what I've seen, I, I've been kind of vocal about the fact that I'm not 100% positive that Simon Edmondson, their top prospect right now, um, is going to make the opening night roster. Now, I may soften that stance a little bit because I think he played really well in the rookie tournaments, um, but Detroit tends to slow play their guys a little bit more. And so, you know, when you, when you, look, at, you look at this team, there's, you know, are, are there a ton of spots up for grabs? I mean, there are certainly spots available. Um, I think Jonathan Bergeron is going to be a guy that, that has an opportunity to play and, and, and stick with the team um, long-term and, and, and make an impact. He's been really good in the AHL. He's been able to play um, really solid hockey throughout. Um, you know, Marco Casper's already back in Sweden, so you know it's not going to be um, uh, him. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Donovan Sabrango and Albert Johansson are another couple of guys that very well um, – you know, could be in the mix. Um, you know, we'll have to wait and see kind of how their defense is going to end up lining up. You also have a really good coach in, in Derek Lalonde who who is going to, you know, it's his first year, so you don't want to have to bog him down with too many young players because the NHL isn't really a league where you develop. You know, it, it, it is. You will get better as time goes on, but it's not, if the sole purpose of putting you in the league is to develop, it's not a good situation. So I think that the, the Red Wings in particular are going to want to take it a little easy in terms of the number of young players that they bring up. But guys like Bergeron, Edvinson, like maybe Edvinson gets the nine-game audition. Um, you know, those are the types of things that, that I could see happening with them. All right. We'll uh, move on to at Riker22's question here. And Riker asks, would, would love to hear more of what you think about some of the Kings prospects at the rookie faceoff. So, I was just I just got back from uh, San Jose. I was there for the first two days. There are games that will take place uh, today as well as I record this. So didn't get those third games in. But you know the Kings had a, a very solid prospect team. I think that the guy that really stood out to me uh, was Brant Clark. Uh, you know number eight pick two years ago, twenty twenty one. I think that you know this year was kind of up and down for him. He put up a lot of points, but there were a lot of games that I saw him where I thought that. Things were a little shaky. The skating still needs to improve. At the rookie faceoff, he looked confident. He was moving pucks. He was doing a lot of things really well. I really liked, you know, the way that he processed the game, the decisions that he made with the puck. I mean, he did make a few mistakes too that that, that were costly at times, but he still made more plays. You know, he, he was getting a lot of pucks in that. He was leading the team in shots on goal. Um, you know, was making good passes to the middle. You know, do I, I think he's still going to be, you know, a guy that's that's going to end up. Um, you know, on the back in junior next year, which is not a bad thing. And, you know, we got to make sure that, you know, we aren't rushing players. And and that's what I think the Kings are are going to do with Brand Clark is, is is allow him more time. Um, but outside of him, you know, I thought there were good flashes from Quentin Byfield, who has already had games. Uh, Martin Kromiak had two goals in, in the in the last game. Um, you know, guys like, like that were really there. I think Taylor Ward, who was an undrafted free agent uh, out of Nebraska-Omaha, he made some really noticeable plays, both on the forecheck, using his body. Um, you know, he scored some goals. He was he was pretty solid overall. Um, that's a guy that you know maybe could find a spot down the lineup uh, in the next you know couple of years or maybe next year. Be a guy that could be on your call up list, and and so that's that's going to be uh, pretty interesting to uh, to figure out. 
Um, all right, our next one comes from Carter Rubin. This is also Los Angeles Kings related. He asks, how do you see the Kings shaking out on right D? Uh, things shaking out on right D for the Kings. Well, you know, I think it all depends on the health of Drew Doughty, and, and certainly he's going to be the, the guy that's the anchor. I don't think there's any surprise there. That's going to be, uh, you know, obvious. Uh, I think that what the Kings will probably want to do um, is, is, you know, find find ways to work in some of the young guys. But you've got Matt Roy. You've got Sean Dursey. Sean Dursey really popped last season. I mean, his, his breakout season, really impressive. Earned himself a new contract. It's a bit of a bridge deal. I think it's a smart contract for the Kings to see what else he can do. Um, you know, but like I think that that's probably you're going to want to stick with those guys. Maybe you get Helgi Granz in a, a little bit as a call up. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that I think could really um, help out. I just don't see Brant Clark being there yet this year. Um, uh, but I also see Jordan Spence. You know, it's it, he's. He had such a great year in the AHL last season with the Ontario Reign. You're like, oh, we got to find a way to work this guy in. Um, you know, will they will they have the space? I mean, it's kind of redundant in terms of you know Sean Dursey and what they do, and Dursey's quite a bit more advanced at this point with his NHL experience. But they have options, and that's a great thing. Um, you know, so I think that for now, at least for this season, we're going to see things kind of stay status quo, which which I don't think is a bad thing. They have a pretty good pretty good uh, blue line there, and they also have some guys that can play their offhand side. All right, this next one comes from at Allider, Allider09. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. So we'll just say Louis Bernardo. Um, this is a uh, college hockey question. Do you think RPI can make a run this year? Um, you know, interesting. So RPI plays in the ECAC. They've got an opportunity to, you know, take another step forward. You never really quite know what you're going to get. Um, you know, it's been a long time since we've seen the engineers kind of get going. Um, you know, Dave Smith is a, is the coach and, and, and is, has done a, a fine job there. He earned a, a contract extension. Um, you know, I, I think at this point they're kind of in that mushy middle of, of the league and that's, that's never necessarily a, a great place to be, but it's also not the worst place to be. Um, you know, it's a, you're still in the, you're still in the mix. You have a chance to play for, for some, some hardware. Um, you know, I think the ECAC could be very open this year. I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of high level players moving on from different programs. Um, you know, what are we going to get out of, uh, of Harvard this year? They've got a really good team, um, a lot of skill in that group. I think they're going to be a really tough to beat. Um, you know, Cornell is always tough too. It's just, I think for RPI, it's about finding some more of those players that kind of are going to be able to, to take the next steps. You know, they're never going to compete for the elite players. Um, so they have to find ways to, to manufacture some of those players. Um, so in terms of making a run, uh, not quite sure, uh, about that, but, um, you know, I think that they, they're at least going to have a, a, a good enough season. I think a season that'll entertain fans and hopefully, um, you know, get them going in the right direction. All right. Our next question comes from at Putsky 88. And this one is how would you rate the overall strength of the WHL prospects for the 2023 draft? Uh, well, it's pretty good. It's pretty darn good. I mean, it starts at the top Connor Bedard, obviously everybody knows about him. Um, but you know, you look at some of the, the other players that, that are going to be coming behind him, uh, you know, with, with Braden, uh, Braden Yeager, who I think is just, you know, we talked about him a little bit in last week's episode, super skilled, Zach Benson, big numbers last season. You, know, you really like that. Uh, Andrew Castall, uh, great Holinka Gretzky cup. I mean, you know, you think back, there were a couple of years ago where we had, you know, Kirby doc, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, the, 
why am I blanking? Bowen Byram, of course, um, you know, and Dylan Cousins, uh, Nolan Foote. I mean, that was a really strong year. I think this year has really got a chance to be a, a big year for the WHL in general. Um, you know, the guys that I that I already mentioned, but there's so many more. Um, you know, you'll you always have to wait and see kind of how the season plays out. Guys will emerge over the course of the year. But you know, with 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 Bedard at the top, Jaeger, Benson, um, you know, those guys, there there's really a lot to to be excited about in the WHL. Make sure you're getting out to those games if you're out there in Western Canada, because uh some of those guys we're talking about are, are gonna be absolute superstars. All right. Next one comes from at AZ Hockey Nut. And this question is, who are the best two prospects per team from the Sharks Invitational rookie scrimmages and why? Um, so I, I have a, a couple of pieces up on flowhockey.tv, so I'm not going to go through the entire uh, tournament, but I will list a couple of real standouts. I already mentioned Brent Clark, who, who I thought was very good. Um, since you're an Arizona fan, I'll mention Nathan Smith. I only got to see him for one game, but he scored two goals. He looks like a guy that's ready to make their roster. And I also like Jack McBain, the way that he played. He's going to probably play down the lineup. He had a lot of speed. He's big. He's strong. He does a lot of things well. Um, that's a guy that you have to absolutely, uh, you know, find a find a spot on in the lineup, or find a spot for in the lineup. Um, those guys were really strong. Uh, I think for for Vegas Golden Knights, their top D pairing of Leighton Ahak and and Caden uh, Korzak, those guys were monsters. They were great defensively. They provided offense. You know, I think Korzak in particular looks like he's ready to make that next step. He's he's mean. He's got that, you know, that, that physicality, the size. He's just a really solid all-around defenseman that does a lot of things well. He's not going to put up a ton of points, but he's going to be a guy that helps you out. I think he's got a chance to be, be you know, part of that roster and, and really help them uh, going forward. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty excited about that, uh, you know, to, to, to see kind of where, where those guys end up. But I will tell you, I think that the um, – I, I think that – the the best the best players you know in terms of individual performances I thought William Eklund had one of the best games of any player throughout uh, from the San Jose Sharks uh, he he made a spinning goal which was pretty incredible again in an overtime situation so that was pretty amazing um, and uh, you know he just he just played strong he's quick he looks better than he did last year he looks stronger um, you know I think he's going to make the Sharks out of camp and, and be an impact player for them as early as this season. All right, we have time for one more question. Uh, I'm gonna have to get through it quick, but I, I, I always like a- answering these questions because I think they're they're interesting to me. I, hopefully they are to you as well. This one comes from at C Friss 216. This is another about process. How do you determine what games you're watching on a random weekend mid-season when not traveling? On a Friday, Saturday night, there's CHL, college, USHL, AHL, and I feel like you need to pick one and focus on it to get the most out of it. Well, Cameron, you are right. You try to, I am not somebody that's going to be a multi-screen watcher. Um, When I am home, I am tending, I'm focused on the game that I feel has, you know, the highest impact for me. Um, The beauty of modern scouting now, um, and I don't consider myself a scout, but I, you know, I, I analyze prospects and, you know, I I have to watch them. So I guess, you know, scouting is a good shorthand for it. Um, I'm able to use things like Instat and different, you know, different software where I can call up video of any game that I really need to see. Um, you know, so there's, there's a lot less live hockey watching now. Um, you know, I don't go like, I don't just go to the big events either. You know, like those are the ones that you'll see, like I'll, I'll do writing about, but I go to a lot of games just in my, you know, Cedar Rapids is just a, a 15 minute drive from me. 
Um, you know, I'll, I'll go to the AHL games out in Des Moines, uh, go up to Waterloo, go to Dubuque. I mean, those are those are some of the closest things. Then for college games, I'll travel over to Madison. That's the closest. Uh, University of Wisconsin is, you know, closest to me. So I try to get to a lot of games. You want to see as many as you can live. Um, but that's, you know, that's one of those uh, things where uh, you just you, you pick the, the game where you feel like the most amount of players are playing in, usually for me. Um, I don't watch a lot of junior hockey live, um, but I will now this year, especially because it's going to be even more accessible uh, to me. And it's certainly, uh, you know, the quality that that's coming on, on flow hockey. This isn't just a, a plug. I've just been watching the USHL preseason games live this year and, and been really ex, you know happy and excited to, to do that um, this season. So, you know, you, you, you just try and focus on the games that are around. I mean, I tend to find the ones that are most easily accessible as well. Um, and you know, for me, that's usually whatever is on streaming. Um, you know, we're, we're cord cutters over here. So you know, we're on, on the computer all the time. And, and the great thing about being a hockey fan right now is that there is no shortage of games every weekend. And, you know, with maybe two, three subscriptions, you've got everything you need. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's pretty great. So, um, but yeah, but I, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, watching games live is, is always the per preferred method for me in terms just for scouting but you know I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of watching games so you know there really isn't a, a night in my house where, where hockey isn't on unless i'm trying to uh, uh hang with the kids and i usually let them go to sleep and then the, the hockey goes right back on the tv all right well i really want to thank all of you guys for the questions because that is a real help to the show i think it does a lot for us and and i, I it allows me to cover a lot of ground because i want to know what you want to know about and I appreciate that. And also want to thank Callie Larson from the Dubuque Fighting Saints for joining me. And thanks to the, to the Fighting Saints for setting that up. Um, great to have a voice of, uh, you know, great authority in the USHL here to help us preview the season. Um, just a reminder, September 22nd, USHL Fall Classic, Dick Sporting Goods, USHL Fall Classic, live from Pittsburgh on flowhockey.tv. Do not miss that. And also, if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to this podcast leave a written review, leave a five-star rating. We love that stuff. It helps us get up the charts and get more people to, to find out about us. And always, you can watch now on flowhockey.tv, uh, the, the video version of this, and of course, the audio version will remain wherever you get your podcast. So please subscribe, rate, review. And I think that's all the time we have for today. So I thank you all for joining us. I thank Colt Joyce for producing. And I thank all of you for joining me on another episode of Talking Hockey Sense. That's going to do it. We'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.